Welcome to episode number five of the Vine podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be teaching you tactics to capitalize on traffic spikes. Now, if you're a food blogger, you know that traffic spikes can happen throughout different parts of the year. But when you know a seasonal traffic spike is coming soon or as soon as one begins, there are a few things that you can do to get the most out of that traffic. You love the time you get to spend creating content on your blog and connecting with your audience. But building a brand and working on your website, that's where it can feel overwhelming. With all of the lists out there of everything that you should do, sometimes you just feel like giving up. But friends, there's a better way. When you spend time strategically thinking about your blog, you'll discover what is essential to build a successful and sustainable business and what's not. I'm your host, Madison Weatherill, a WordPress web designer and branding strategist for food bloggers. I'm here to help you think strategically about the brand you're building, connect with your ideal audience, and ultimately convert them into raving fans, the ones who actually make your recipes, interact with you, and make this whole food blogging journey worth it. It's time to design a business you love and remember why you started a blog in the first place. All right, friends, welcome back to the Vine Podcast. I'm so excited that you're tuning in today. For me right now, as I'm recording this, I just got back from traveling for a few weeks. I was at a business conference and then I was at a friend's wedding in North Carolina. So this is my first week back to a semi-normal work week, and I'm just really excited to be getting back into a normal routine, getting some podcast episodes recorded for you guys, and while I was away, the podcast launched, as you know, so I am just really excited about all of the feedback that I've been getting about the episodes, and I'm so excited to be jumping into more content for you guys. So first, I wanted to start by reading a review from one of my listeners, and this listener is actually a friend of mine, Jenny from The Gingered Whisk, and her review says, I am totally in love with this podcast. It is packed with valuable and strategic information that helps you actually grow and resonate with your readers. I seriously spent the entire time rewinding to listen again, taking notes, and saying, oh, that makes so much sense. It is seriously great. Thank you so much for leaving that review, Jenny. And if you're listening to this and you haven't left a review yet, I would love to read yours as well. So go ahead and head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this and leave a review. And who knows, I might share it on the show as well. So as I'm recording this, we are already into Q4. And as a food blogger, you know that Q4 gets really crazy pretty quickly. Last week's episode, I talked about conducting your own DIY website audit for your food blog. And if you haven't listened to that episode, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to that one. It is a great way to just get the quarter started off right. And honestly, this website audit can be done any time of year. I like to set a recurring calendar reminder for me to go back and do this every quarter or every six months at the minimum. So let's go ahead and dive into today's topic, which is all about how to make the most out of traffic spikes that you have on your blog. Depending on your niche, Q4 may or may not be a big traffic period for you, but I'm willing to bet that there is some period throughout the year where you see a spike in traffic due to seasonal content. Or maybe you've had a post that picks up on traffic for some reason or another, and you want to make sure that you can get the most out of that traffic boost. So that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. So let's start with seasonal traffic and updating individual posts. So the first thing you want to do is look back at past year's seasonal traffic to start looking for trends. So for example, if you were doing this for Q4, you would be looking back at 2018 Q4 traffic to see which were your top performing posts. You can start by making a spreadsheet and including the list of your top traffic from last year. And I want you to also include any content that you published last year that was seasonal that didn't have a chance to take off yet because you want to make sure that you're going through that and optimizing that content as well. 
In your spreadsheet, you want to create a column to track different things that might need to be updated within the post. For example, you might want a column to track whether you need to reshoot photos, whether the blog post content needs to be updated, if you need to add links to other relevant high quality content, then I also want you to make a column to track where this traffic is coming from, whether that's Google or Pinterest or somewhere else. I want you to figure out how you can set aside time to update this past content and make sure that it's ready. I'm actually going to link to a really cool challenge that Mediavine did last year, and it was called the Mediavine RPM Challenge, and basically it walked you through doing just this in light of making sure that your posts were going to have the highest RPM possible to make sure that you are making the most money from those posts that were going to get that traffic boost. And the thing I really love about the challenge that they did is they have a spreadsheet that you can make a copy of that is going to have most of these columns that I just mentioned. So if you don't want to reinvent the wheel and create your own, you can go ahead and make a copy of theirs. So make sure you check out that in the show notes. So once you have your list of your top content from last year's quarter, I want you to take a look and ask yourself a couple of questions. First, is there any supporting content that you could create for this post? So for example, if you have a pumpkin pie recipe that does really well, could you create a blog post on how to make homemade whipped cream that you could link to in that pumpkin pie recipe blog post? And I want you to think through your audience's motivation when you're looking at this. Look at where the traffic to that blog post came from and recognize their motivation. With seasonal content, this is really easy to do because it's really easy to assume why why they need that recipe. They're likely either hosting their own Thanksgiving, maybe they're taking it to a Friendsgiving. So really think through what their motivation could be and then think through what supporting content you could create to make that blog post even better. And this can be content that you put into its own blog post or maybe it's just a section that you add to the blog post itself. So if that audience is coming from Pinterest to make your pumpkin pie recipe, for example, think about what other content they might need. They probably don't need links to five different pie recipes, but maybe they need a link to one other pie recipe, a side dish, and maybe a dessert cocktail recipe. So think through how you're going to link your content together when you're thinking through why someone needs that recipe in the first place. I think sometimes it's easy for us to just blindly add links without really thinking through how the content connects together and what your audience is really going to need when they're on that blog post. So then I want you to ask yourself if this blog post needs some sort of supporting element. If this blog post would benefit from having a video, for example, you know, is this recipe a little bit more complex and they need some process shots or a video to show them exactly how step-by-step to make this recipe? Could you add some helpful tips on making this recipe right the very first time? Because again, if you want to think back to their motivation, they probably don't have time for this to mess up. And if they mess up this recipe, it could possibly ruin their holiday. And it also is going to completely discredit you as a food blogger that they trust. So really think through the helpful tips that they would need in order to make this recipe, especially if this is their very first time making this recipe and there's a lot of pressure on this situation because of the holidays. So then take a look at your recipe card, and I want you to look at whether the recipe card is fully filled out. So that means that every spot that you can fill out on the recipe card is filled out completely. So your cook time, your prep time, the nutrition information, the ingredients, and the notes as well. Make sure that even if you have notes for how to make the recipe in the blog post, you also want to put them in the recipe card because especially for the holidays, a lot of people tend to print the recipes so that they can reference them again on the day of the holiday that they're making this recipe for. 
take a look at the ingredients and make sure that they're in the correct order. So from start to finish, what is the order of ingredients that they're going to need? And this is something that I did a horrible job of in the early days of blogging. I would just put ingredients in some random order and I didn't really think through step one, step two, which ingredient they were going to need and the order they were going to need it in. Next, take a look at the instructions that you have in your recipe card. Are they clear? Is there anything that you need to explain even more in better detail to make sure that they can make this recipe the right way? I think it's really important to remember this could be the very first time that anyone has ever made a pumpkin pie recipe. So there are things that you know innately as a food blogger and as someone who cooks a lot that someone else may have no idea about. It's always really funny to me whenever I have my husband cook one of my recipes and there are things that I just know like the back of my hand, I don't even think to tell him, but he gets tripped up on. So really think through what someone might not know having never made this recipe before. Is there nutrition information in your recipe card? I know over the holidays, some of us feel like we don't want to tell somebody how many calories are in this cookie that they're about to eat, but it's really important for this information to be there because there are so many different reasons that someone would need to know that information. And not only that, but as you all know, Google really takes into consideration whether these recipe cards are fully filled out. So go ahead and just make sure you check all of those boxes. Now, is there a call to action in every blog post? Again, think through what you want someone to do when they're on your blog. Yes, you want them to make your recipe, but what do you want them to do after that? Do you want them to just leave and never come back? Hopefully not. Hopefully you want them to stick around. So how can they do that? Give them a call to action of how they can stick around, how they can absorb more content, and how they can become a loyal fan and reader of your blog. Make sure that you go through and add relevant affiliate links to these top performing posts. Now this is obviously so that you can make a little bit of passive income from these blog posts, but it's also so that you can really provide helpful information to your readers. So really think through what the most relevant affiliate links are that they would need to make this recipe. You don't necessarily have to include every single tool that they might need, but include things that are really important and that they might not have in their kitchen otherwise. Especially for the holidays, there's things like candy thermometers or pie baking dishes or high weights. There's tons of different tools and supplies that they might need to make this post. And a lot of the times people will go to your blog post before they're actually ready to make it. And that gives them time to order something on Amazon and get it shipped to them before they're ready to make your recipe. Is there a freebie that you could create for this content? So for example, if your blog is an allergy-friendly baking blog and you're preparing for Q4, can you create a quick substitution checklist or guide for an allergy-friendly Thanksgiving dinner? Something like that would be so valuable to somebody who maybe just realized that they have an allergy and so this is their first time cooking for Thanksgiving and thinking about these allergies in mind or maybe there's a new family member with allergies that they have to consider. Something like this can really just make their holiday a win and you can be the person that helps them to get that win, which is just an invaluable way to support your audience and give them value. So the next thing that you want to do is look at creating new pins for each of these posts and or freebies and start circulating them on Pinterest. Now Pinterest has an awesome guide to seasonal content and they show you when searches for seasonal content pick up. So I'm going to link to that in the show notes for you and it may not be as relevant for Q4 but it's something that you can take a look at for future seasons and really look at when certain things, certain holidays pick up in searches and make sure that you have new pins circulating before that time. You can go ahead and add these pins to relevant Tailwind tribes and make sure that you just get them circulating out there. I think sometimes we forget to go back and create new graphics for our old content and sometimes on Pinterest graphics just get stale and they're not being circulated as much. So creating brand new Pinterest graphics for the upcoming season can really help that traffic to take off. The next thing I want to encourage you to do is to use email marketing. 
So let's be honest, when was the last time you sent an email to your list? Not an RSS feed email, but an actual email that you were writing to them. If it's been a while, that's totally okay, but I want you to go ahead and make a note to capitalize on this seasonal traffic by sending emails during this time. You can do so many different things with your emails during this time, and honestly, people are kind of used to looking in their inbox for specials and deals and sales and things like that, so if you're showing up in their inbox and you're giving them value, they're going to be so excited to open that. You don't always have to be just pushing them to a blog post either. You can write an email where you're just giving them tips and helpful information and value, and they're going to love you for that. And especially if they don't feel like you're selling to them all the time, they're going to really appreciate a breath of fresh air from all of the selling that goes on during Q4. So now that you have your list of top seasonal content, make time to email those posts out throughout the season. If you're sending weekly emails out, maybe the first week you can send them to a blog post, and then the next week you can just give them a tip that helps them to make that recipe or helps them with something that they're going to be facing as a challenge during this holiday season as it pertains to your blog and your recipes. Now we're going to shift into talking about updating your website as a whole and getting it ready for these traffic spikes. Now I want to make another mention about updating your website in Q4 specifically and how it pertains to SEO. So I talked about this in episode number four about conducting your own website audit, but during traffic spikes, it can be really dangerous to make changes to your overall site structure, basically meaning anything that has links on it, like your navigation or links in your sidebar or your footer. So here's a few things that you want to remember. When you're updating content, be careful with removing content. Even within a blog post itself, removing things like old images or links to other posts can affect your overall site structure and can cause a dip in traffic. So when you're making updates during a seasonal period like Q4, I want you to only add things and not take away. So be really careful with taking away images or taking away links to other content. Now for the images specifically, you can actually use Google Search Console to look and see if you're getting traffic because of images specifically. And if you're not, then it's probably safe to update those images. But just really think about this before you make big overhaul and changes to your site because you don't want to go backwards and actually lose traffic to your site because of these updates that you're making. So when it comes to making website updates as a whole, the first thing that you can do is add a featured section of seasonal content. So this is going to look different for every single blog, depending on what your theme is and how it was built. But think about a couple of different places where you could feature seasonal content, whether that's on your sidebar or if you have a featured section on the top of your blog. If you're already using these sections for seasonal content, just go ahead and switch them over to the current season and what's coming up soon. But if you don't have these, you can go ahead and add a widget into that space to highlight featured content for the upcoming season. If you have like a popular posts section on your sidebar or somewhere on your blog, you can leave that there. And in fact, it's really smart to leave it there because that can have SEO implications if you remove it. But you can just add an extra widget to focus on seasonal content. So I know, especially during Q4, we all get a little bit crazy about having a short sidebar and making sure that our sites are optimized for ads. And this is really important, but I want you to really remember that when you're adding value and getting people to click around on your site more, it's going to be totally okay if your sidebar is a little bit longer. Think about it this way. If your sidebar is short and someone goes to one page versus if you have an extra widget space and you feature some fall content, and people click around more to your site, you're actually going to make more money with your ads because they're being seen more often. So just be really careful about being super strict about having like a bare bones sidebar because sometimes it's better to actually show more content as long as there's a strategy behind it. 
If you're really concerned about making your sidebar longer, you can add text-only links to make sure that you keep it short and sweet. The other thing to remember is that sidebars are really only seen on desktop anyway, so if you're adding extra content to your sidebar, it might actually help with your overall site structure and interlinking, but it might not really affect your ads very much if most of your traffic is on mobile anyway. So the other thing you want to do is make sure that you're adding links to your seasonal content within your popular seasonal content. So if you think back to those recipes that you published last year that maybe haven't had time to take off yet, make sure you're linking to those in the content that already has performing well year over year during this high traffic season. The other thing you can do is add a drop down section in your navigation for seasonal content recipes. So even if you don't have this normally, when it's the holiday season, you can add something for Christmas dessert recipes or easy Christmas dinners or whatever the topic or the keyword that you're trying to really rank for. You can put that into your navigation, which will really help. Lastly, if you have a seasonal freebie, make sure you update your subscribe sections on your blog with that freebie and add that freebie and a call out to it in your most popular seasonal content. So shifting away a little bit from seasonal content, I want to talk about what to do when a blog post starts picking up a little bit more randomly or a little bit more organically. This can happen for so many different reasons, but if you have a blog post that suddenly picks up, you might wonder, what do I do to make sure that I capitalize on this traffic? So the first thing that you want to do is make sure that this blog post has internal linking. You want to make sure that you're linking to your best and most relevant content, especially posts that go well with the recipe that's performing well already. You want to make sure that you have an email signup form. Now, the best case scenario is that you have a freebie that you're promoting to get people to sign up for your list. But even if you don't have a freebie, at least have a signup form. You're not going to get as many signups this way. It's just not going to convert as well, but it's better than having nothing there so that you can actually capture people. In your signup, tell people exactly what to expect. What are you going to email them and how often? And lastly, you can add a pop-up to your signup form as well. Lastly, you can add a pop-up for your signup form, and you can make it for this post specifically so it doesn't have to be site-wide if you're worried about a pop-up annoying your visitors. But just even for this one post that's performing well, having a pop-up can really help with converting more people into subscribers to your email list. Now go through and make sure that any links in that blog post are actually working. We talked about this in episode four, but you really want to make sure that when you're getting traffic to a blog post specifically that you have somewhere to send people to next and that those links are actually working and not going to send them to a blank page or a 404 page. Make sure that you also have share icons activated and that they're working. So if your blog post is getting traffic because a big publication picked it up or it got featured in a roundup, email your list and tell them about it. Talk about it on social media. Share about this promotion and how excited you are about it and people are also going to be excited for you. They may just be curious about it and go check out the publication and then come back to your blog post. This isn't bragging, and I want to make sure that you understand that. This is being excited about something that is going on in your business and something that's going well, and your audience is going to be excited for you too. So don't be concerned about people thinking that you're bragging or that they're going to be annoyed that you're sharing about it. The people who really love your blog are going to be so excited for you. So as we wrap up today, whether you have seasonal content or just one blog post that's picking up, that is so exciting. But don't let the opportunity pass you by to capitalize on that boost in your readership and try to convert those people into your audience. Give them an incentive to stick around and to sign up for your email list with a freebie. Make sure that your top performing posts that are seasonal and evergreen are linking to other relevant content that is also high quality. This is going to help the overall quality of your site and your interlinking is really going to help to boost those rankings for those other posts. 
Put a reminder in your calendar to update your website with seasonal content before the new quarter begins. This will help to make sure that people who are already coming to your site see your seasonal content and dive into that as well. Now, no matter what time of year you're listening to this, whether it's a high traffic season or not, you can follow these tips to make sure that every season performs the best that it can. Whether that's Q4, where you know things are going to be crazy, or if it's a slower season, just making the most of your website that you already have. Next week, we're going to shift into a new topic of conversation, and I'm so excited to be talking about branding with you guys, and specifically branding as it pertains to food bloggers, how you can simplify the branding in your business, and how you can be consistent with it as well. If you haven't subscribed or left a review yet, I would love for you to go ahead and do that. Subscribing to the podcast means that you'll never miss an episode, and leaving a rating and a review can help other food bloggers find this podcast too. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to screenshot it and share it with a friend. You can tag me on Instagram stories at Grace and Vine. For the show notes for this episode, head to thevinepodcast.com. Talk soon.